A reading from the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 to 9. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. This reading comes from the New Testament, from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 28, verse 1 to 15. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Well, earlier this year in February, Chris Hemsworth posted a photo on Instagram. The tagline, a little 80s themed party never did much harm. And of course, in the photo were only the most beautiful and hot looking people imaginable, including Matt Damon and Idris Elba and Chris himself. And right away, outraged comments filled the feed. Where are the masks? Where is the social distancing? How can you party in the middle of a pandemic? But what these commenters didn't realize was that the party was in Queensland, where there almost has been no trace of coronavirus. The New York Times recently did a story that described how, as a result of our nation effectively eliminating COVID-19, lots of celebrities have moved here. 
Matt Damon, Idris Elba, Natalie Portman, Christian Bale, Zac Efron, all of them have come here and made their home here. And in the article, a professor of popular culture is quoted saying, these Hollywood stars have been transformed to another world where the problems of this world are not. When he says this world, he of course means the world of the United States where lockdown restrictions are still heavy, hundreds of thousands of new infections and hundreds of deaths occur each day. He goes on, when you're trying to be a star, you've got to go out to the West Coast to make your bones. When you become a really big star, you buy property somewhere exotic like Australia. By coming here, the celebrities have been transported from one world of lockdowns and infections and death to a world of freedom, parties, and the exotic. As Natalie Portman told Jimmy Kimmel from Sydney, it definitely feels like a time machine. It's so different. All the animals are different. All the trees are different. I mean, even the birds, like, there's like multicolored parrots flying around like pigeons. It's wild. <laughs> well, our country has done so well with the pandemic compared to so many other countries. And we really are fortunate that we get to meet together in person this day. No wonder we are the envy of the world and all the stars and celebrities are coming. But at the same time, we know that not everything is as glamorous as it seems. The Hollywood stars may have been transported from one world of plague and lockdowns to another, but they still very much are part of the world of sin, suffering, and death. After all, this is a country that is prosperous and wealthy at the expense of First Nations peoples. The last few weeks have shown that sexual assault still is so regularly committed by men against women. And in Victoria, we all still carry the scars of the lockdown last year. In many ways, we all experienced death. The death of our plans and dreams and opportunities, the death of relationships and friendships, the death of jobs and businesses. What are these if not glimpses of the cold and firm clasp of death that eventually awaits us all? The Hollywood stars may leave behind the old world and move to a new one, but they cannot escape the old world of sin, death, and evil. The world the Bible describes as the old age or the old creation. But the feast of Easter and the good news of this very morning is that God has begun the new age. God has begun the new creation. Through the resurrection of Jesus, God has overcome the old age of sin, death, and evil, and has invoked the new age of immortality, abundant life, perfect union with God. Well, just a few days ago on Good Friday, we came to the very heart of the old age of sin. 
Jesus is betrayed by his friend Judas and abandoned by all his other closest followers. The religious leaders commit injustice by condemning an innocent man to death, death upon a cross. While all of Jesus' friends, or most of his friends, abandoned him, Joseph of Arimathea remained faithful, taking Jesus' body off the cross and burying it in his own tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, also remained faithful, keeping vigil at the cross, watching the burial. After the Sabbath, early on Sunday morning, they return to the tomb. And here we might ask ourselves, why do any of us go to cemeteries? Why do we visit graves? And why does my mom text me a photo of the fresh flowers she places on my dad's grave on his birthday? Well, we do these things so that we can be with the person who died. These small actions are the best we can do to cope with living in the shadow of death, with trying to cope with our grief and loss and holding on to a little bit of comfort that we have left. No one, absolutely no one, visits a grave expecting someone to rise out of it. Whatever the two Marys were doing, they were not expecting to see a resurrection take place. Well, at the tomb, we are told by Matthew, there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. You might remember that at the cross there were cosmic signs of earthquakes and darkness in the middle of the day. So now again, there are cosmic signs of an earthquake and an angel coming down from heaven. God is doing something. The new age breaks into the old. The angel rolls away the stone, not to let Jesus out, but to allow the women to look inside. This whole event is a dramatic announcement. Jesus is risen. The tomb is empty. And we continue reading. The angel said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. All of this should not be any surprise to anyone who has actually listened to what Jesus has been saying. He said that he would rise from the dead after his crucifixion, and this is exactly what has happened. And the two women are honored. They're honored not just by being visited by an angel, something I believe most of us will not enjoy in our lives, but they also are honored by being commissioned and sent out to take this good news to the other disciples. So with joy and fear, they run off quickly to tell them. When suddenly, Jesus appears before them. Greetings! The last time we saw him, he was a crucified corpse. Now he stands before them, living and breathing. And their response is the only possible human response. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him.
It's not a spirit or a ghost that they encounter. They fall down and clasp the physical, fleshly feet of Jesus. And once again, they are honored. They're honored by being sent out with the message, not just by the angel, but by Jesus himself. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Of all the people Jesus could appear to, why these two insignificant women? And why later on the disciples, that group of cowardly men who abandoned him at his greatest moment of need? I mean, personally, I relish the opportunity to tell someone, I told you so. I don't do it because that wouldn't be very gracious, but I confess to you that when I tell someone something, they don't do it, it blows up in their face, in my heart, it makes me feel good about myself. If I were Jesus, I don't know, I would appear to Pontius Pilate, perhaps the religious leaders. Why not the Roman emperor himself and convert the whole empire? Why these two women? Well, at Mary Creek, you've been reading through 1 Corinthians, and as Paul says there, the wisdom of God is foolishness to this world. And yet, the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. In other words, God doesn't play by the rules of this world. Instead, at the resurrection of Jesus, God puts away this world, the old age, and he brings in the new. The resurrection of Jesus is an event from the realm of the divine breaking into our ordinary course of our world, upsetting what we regard as normal, as acceptable, as wise. And it begins with those we least expected, a few women and a group of cowardly men. And we desperately need God to do this. We desperately need God to renew humanity and to do it on his terms, not ours. And that is because on our own, we are nothing. On our own, when we look inside of ourselves, we all are aware of our own flaws. We all lament how we are aging, how fat we've gotten during the lockdown, how we are single, or perhaps how we can't do fun things now that we have kids. Perhaps we thought that 2020 is going to be our year, and then it was the worst ever. You might remember last year as well, after the first lockdown was announced, our state government scrambled to get quarantine hotels together. After they did, a video was made of all the public servants involved congratulating each other on the success of what they were doing. And they called it Operation Soteria, named after the Greek goddess of health, safety, and deliverance. And then it was those very hotels that unleashed the curse of the plague, over 700 dead in our state. On our own, left to ourselves, humanity is always on the brink of death. We create messes, we cannot control them, we cannot fix the power of death we are under. But the good news is that Jesus has overcome that brink of death, 
and with the powers of sin and evil destroyed, humanity is made new and can be everything God intends for us. The old age of sin, death, and evil is replaced with immortality, goodness, and the age to come. The natural is lifted up to the supernatural, filled with God's own divine life. Jesus is risen and can never die again. Death has no more dominion over him. And as in the old age all die, so in the new age all will be made alive. Now this is a great message to preach, and it all sounds nice and good, but obviously this year, after the last year, it's different. For many of us, we know that Christ is risen, but it just often doesn't seem that way. If God has put away the old age and begun the new one, then why does it not really appear that way? Personally, I never felt this tension more than on Easter Day two years ago. Over at St. John's, where I usually am, we celebrated Easter and the church was packed and there was just joy in the air. Christ is risen and it was a very happy occasion. And then I went home, exhausted but joyful, I switched on the news and next my heart sank. In Sri Lanka, Several bombs had been detonated across various hotels and churches during their Easter services. It's bad enough that this happened, but it seemed especially wicked to me that it happened on Easter Sunday. Well, at the resurrection of Jesus, God has begun the process of renewal. Humanity is renewed, but not yet fully. The new age has begun, but not yet fully, and remnants of the old age still remain. Even in Jesus' own day, the religious leaders do not believe, but they do the very things they feared the disciples would by spreading conspiracy theories about the body of Jesus, spreading lies, despite having the evidence in front of their eyes. The victory has begun, but is not yet complete. So for now, the resurrection takes place in a world of empire and conquests, a world of crucifixions and death, genocides and displacements. But our hope is that the process has begun. Death has been defeated, and the new age has broken into the old. And all who follow Jesus and put their trust in him will be part of God's renewal of this world. And so this means that the resurrection is not a quick fix to our problems, but is the point from which we realize our problems are not ultimate. In a world of tragedies, it's only in looking backwards to the resurrection that we can look forwards to the future with hope. We stand in the middle. And there is an old Swiss legend that can help us understand our position in the middle a bit better. The legend tells of a rider riding upon a horse, traveling through the night in the darkness and in the freezing temperatures of winter. He's trying to cross the Lake Constance in a ferry and is rushing towards it. 
Well, eventually he comes upon a village and he asks a woman there, how much further until the lake? And that's when she tells him that he has just crossed it. In his hurry, due to the darkness and the snow covering the ice of the lake, he did not realize the danger he was in until he just narrowly escaped it. This is our situation when the angel descends, the earthquakes, and the stone to the tomb is rolled away. Once we come to know that Jesus is risen, we are like that rider upon the horse in that very moment of realization. Suddenly, we see everything anew in a terrifying but joyful way. We have escaped the danger narrowly, but we still feel the fear in our hearts. The resurrection does not magically fix everything that's wrong in our lives or with us. Rather, the resurrection and the joy we get from it is a consequence of our sufferings. That in the midst of pandemics, in the midst of life's disappointments and tragedies, the tomb remains empty. And so we look backwards to that empty tomb where God has begun the process of renewal. We look to Jesus who has risen today and we place our trust in him and we know that we are part of that very renewal. And with these promises in our hearts, we have strength to move forward. Now, many of us here believe that Christ is risen and we follow him precisely because he is our hope. But there may be some here who perhaps want this to be true, but you're just not so sure. After all, the dead are not usually raised. The medical sciences scoff at this idea and it cannot be proven absolutely. And for those who feel and think this way, I want, us to encourage, I want to encourage you to consider the details and motivations behind Jesus' earliest followers and why they put this story to writing. And I want us to consider these things, especially in light of our current situation today. I mentioned before that our nation had to reckon with the victims and survivors, particularly women, of sexual assault. Writing last month in the Sydney Morning Herald, Julia Baird quoted Susan Brown Miller, a feminist who wrote in the 1970s. The reality of rape is that victimized women have always been reluctant to report the crime because of the shame of public exposure, because of that double standard that makes a woman feel responsible for any act of aggression committed against her. This was written in the 70s, but it could be also written today. Even in our country where we have inherited some of the best legal traditions of the world, a woman is raped in parliament and after reporting it, dismissed as a lying cow. Still to this day, in one of the most wealthy and egalitarian societies in the world, thousands of women are marching and demanding to be listened to. Even in our day, 90% of victims do not report because they fear being disbelieved. 
Now, obviously, there is so much more to do, and we are far from perfect, but the world of today is so much better for women than the world of the first century. In Jesus' day, a woman's testimony was not admissible in court. The popular science of Greek philosophy regarded women simply as deformed males. A man could divorce a woman in an instant, leaving her vulnerable, but a woman could not divorce a man. And one prayer that Jewish men prayed every morning goes, Blessed are you, O God, King of the universe, who has not made me a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. In this kind of world, why would Matthew stake his claims upon the testimony of women? If Christians wanted their story believed, why base it upon the voice of the one group that is voiceless? Luke's gospel tells us that even the disciples at first dismissed the women's testimony as silly tales. Why announce the greatest news ever told, that death is defeated and Jesus is risen through the mouths of those who are silenced? Why do this unless it really happened this way? Now, obviously, this is not a knockdown proof for the resurrection, but for those who are warm towards the faith and still just not so sure, this is enough to keep going. The fact that our faith hinges on the voice of women in a mega patriarchal world is enough for you not to just dismiss it outright. So to summarize and wrap up. Celebrities may leave the world of the United States behind and come to this exotic world where there is multicolored parrots flying around like pigeons. But they cannot leave behind the old age, the old world of sin, death, and evil. The old age which we all feel over and again in different ways and that every now and again crushes us. But the good news of this morning is that God has provided a way out. Through the resurrection of Jesus, we are able to escape the old age and enter into the new one. And once we realize that Jesus is risen, once we come to believe that he cannot die anymore, we are like that rider upon the horse that crosses the frozen lake. Suddenly we see everything anew, still in terror with fear of what is behind us. But through Jesus, we cross over that frozen lake and we enter into something new. That great prophecy of Isaiah that we read earlier finds its fulfillment on this very day. On the mountain of Jerusalem, death is destroyed. And the great feast that God provides is Jesus himself. Where at communion, we receive his body and his blood as food for our souls and promises of everlasting life. Regardless of how we feel this morning, whether we are tired, weary, or burdened, if we come to Jesus simply trusting in him, then as certainly as we taste bread in our mouths, as certainly as we taste the sweetness of the wine, God will renew us and raise us up in glory. 
So to finish with that great prophecy of Isaiah. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. Happy Easter and Amen.